Top of the day, everyone. Today is Hot Garbage True Crime Edition. I'm your host, Nisha, and this is my beautiful best friend and co-host. Who the badass. And uh, today, remember I told you today's case was going to be a surprise? Uh, every case is a surprise for me. It is, huh? <laughs> well, today's actually a listener requested one. Our loyal, wonderful listener, Amy, requested this one. And I want to say thank you so much, Amy, for appreciate listening. Appreciate you, Amy. We love you, girl. Yes. I really, really, we really appreciate you. And honestly, this case was on the list, but because of Amy and she wants to hear it, we moved it up because that's what we do. We take care of our listeners. Yes, we do. So this one... Um, so I want to give a trigger warning. This is one of the worst ones we've ever done. So I want to give a trigger warning because <laughs> a lot of the things that happen are against children, unfortunately. So oh, Lord. yeah. So this this guy he is completely the boogeyman, like seriously. But he was actually called the original. He he was called the Night Stalker. That was what they called him. But we understand if you don't want to listen to things like you know with children being victimized or raped, we will see you next episode. Okay, but unfortunately, Buddha, you don't have a choice. Right, I'm going to tap out my doggone self. I don't want to hear none of this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I'm going to get right into the case. Okay. So, Ricardo Richard Leva Munoz Ramirez was born in El Paso, Texas. That's a real Latino name. Yeah. All them names. Yeah, but everyone called him Richard. And he was born in El Paso, Texas on February 28th of 1960. I had a family member that was named like uh, Alejandro Sexano something something Rodriguez. Everybody just called him Bruce. Oh. Where did they get Bruce from Alejandro? Just, they, my family's from the South and they was like, we can't pronounce all yeah, that. Yeah, I actually like Alejandro. <laughs> <laughs> well, why not just call it Alejandro? Because that wasn't hard to pronounce. I mean, now, I can say not. Southern people, that is. They're like, I'm not about to fix my tongue and do all of that. <laughs> well, <laughs> no take care here, Alejandro. Well, Richard, actually, he was born on February 28th. And that was my daughter's birthday. That's crazy that they were born. So they were both Pisces. So your daughter's meant to be a killer. Yeah, I hope not, you know. <laughs> So his father's name was Julian and Julian Ramirez, and his mother's name was Mercedes Ramirez. And Richard Ramirez was the youngest of five children. Now his father Julian was a Mexico a Mexican national and former uh, Juarez policeman who later became a laborer. And um and also he was an alcoholic and he was prone to fits of anger that often resulted in physical abuse towards his wife and his children. I like how you named it with his job title, like you know, his, his joblessness and his qualifications. <laughs> and also, he's alcoholic and abused women. Like, that on his resume. <laughs> oh my gosh, I, I did do that, huh? <laughs> Now, his mother, Mercedes, was a laborer in a boot factory, and she inhaled a lot of toxic chemicals while she was pregnant with all her kids. Jesus. Yeah, so, and Richard Ramirez had a lot of head injuries, which in a lot of serial killers, because your frontal lobe is what makes you think straightly, and a lot of serial killers, you'll see they had head injuries. So, after researching all these cases, I'm like, you know, has anybody ever asked you, were you dropped on your head as a baby? Or has That's anybody... just horrible to say. Yeah. I've heard yeah. you ask other people that. Yeah, people say that all the time, or you must have been dropped on your head as a baby. Well, until I really got the true crime, now I understand where that saying comes from, because a lot of the serial killers literally had head injuries, which right. is crazy. And I see like a dent on your forehead, so your frontal lobe <laughs> no. might be, you might damage to it. Whatever. 
So he's at he, Richard Ramirez actually had two head injuries at two years old. A dresser fell on him while he was climbing to reach for the radio because I guess he was the kind of baby that liked to dance and he liked music. So he, you know, he fell. And then at five, he was knocked unconscious by a swing at the park. And so he had a major head injury from that as well. Now, Richard began smoking marijuana and drinking alcohol at the age of 10. Because, Jeez, yeah. Geez. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because it was just, you know, living in that environment. You know, mm-hmm. his dad had it on his resume. Mm-hmm. Now, as a 12-year-old, Richard, or sometimes his family would call him Richie, he was strongly influenced by his older cousin, Miguel Ramirez, who they called Mike. So Mike Ramirez was a Green Beret combat veteran who already had become a serial killer and a rapist during his time in the United States Army and in the yeah. Vietnam War. Yeah, and this is who Richard looked up to, and he really you know hung and out with him all the time. Looked up, yeah. To. Richard really looked up to him. Huh. So Mike would often come back from Vietnam, and he would also he would often talk to Richard about his brutal war crimes, and he would share Polaroid photos with Richard showing Vietnamese women who he had raped, murdered, and dismembered or decapitated. So Richard would later state while he was incarcerated, because they do, you know, he, spoiler alert, he does go to prison, but. I mean, of course he's going to go to prison. Eventually he's going to go to prison. <laughs> but he also, but during that time, he said that he was really fascinated rather than repulsed by the images that Mike would share with him. Wow. Mike also taught his young cousin some of his military skills, such as killing and effectively staying hidden in the dark, especially at night. So around this time, Richard began to seek escape from his father's violent temper by sleeping in a local cemetery. So Richard, uh, so on May 4th, 1970. That is the signs of a killer. (laughs) You escape the abuse to go sleep in a cemetery? Yeah, the cemetery. This guy was creepy. That's a Batman villain. Yeah. Now, on May 4th, 1973, Mike, Richard's cousin, and by the way, Richard was here when this happened. Mike shot his wife, Jesse, in the face with a handgun during a domestic argument. So basically, like the graphic photos and the stories of his cousin war crimes in Vietnam, Ramirez, you know, Richard basically said that he witnessing the murder was very, it wasn't traumatic for him. He actually enjoyed witnessing the murder. Wow. Yeah. So after the shooting, though, Richard became sullen and he got withdrawn from his family and peers. Mike was later found not guilty of um, Jesse's murder by reason of insanity. And so the the shooting was attributed to post-traumatic stress disorder because of his service in the Vietnam. So I guess like, you know, serving the war because then you can get away with murder. Like I was PTSD. Well, no. Let me tell you, I had a stepfather that was PTSD. Did he get away with murder? You'd be scared that he's going to murder everybody in the room sometimes. Mm, Yeah. So it's not it's not as fun as you think it is. Mm. You know they're having dreams of some crazy stuff mm-hmm. that I don't think they believed they were gonna live through. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, yeah. Well, so Mike was confined for several years at the Texas State Mental Hospital at this point. So and then he he got out and Richard and him stayed connected. So shortly after the shooting, Richard moved in with his older sister, Ruth, and her husband, Roberto. And at that point, he became an obsessive peeping Tom. So he took on a lot of, you know, nighttime exploits, looking in people's windows and everything like that. 
after Mike was released from the mental hospital in 1977, he was sometimes accompany, you know, Richard and Roberto on like walks and spying on on women and stuff like that through their windows as well. This is a lot about Mike right now. Yeah, it is because well, because Mike is the one that had a really big influence. Like this is somebody that Richard always said he really looked up to, and he was basically like an older brother to him. I mean, so, he was his older brother, wasn't mm, he? No, he was his cousin. Okay. Mm-hmm. By the time Richard had turned 14 in early 1974, he began using LSD frequently. He and Mike started bonding over drugs, alcohol, and it was during this time that Richard began to have an interest in Satan and the occult. He became a Satanist during this time. So when he reached adolescence, Richard... This remember- man is becoming an all-American hero. <laughs> Well, I was not thinking that when I was doing this research. I said, oh, he got a lot going on. Bro, he was like on a path. Yeah. He was determined. Yeah. Like, this is the same type of person that becomes an astrophysicist. Mm -hmm. Like, or, you know, study like quantum mathematics and stuff. This is the same type of person with that type of drive. You're like, I decide PCP and killing people. Well, I think it's funny because it's like, you know, a lot of people have really bad, like, childhoods and they're like, I'm determined to make it out of that and be different and it would seem like he was determined to embrace it and just lean into it. In his mind, yeah. he had a good childhood. Yeah. <laughs> I had a, a cousin that was like a brother to me raping and killing chicks, showing me pictures of it. It was amazing. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So when Richard Ramirez reached adolescence, he really began to get into sexual fantasies, graphic violence, uh, you know, forced bondage. He loved BDSM, murder, mutilation, and rape. So he started, you know, not wanting to think about sex without thinking about murder as well. So to him, you know, he couldn't get off unless he hurt the woman as well. Mm. While he was still in school, he took a job at a local Holiday Inn and he used his pass key to rob sleeping patrons. So on um, at least one, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but my thing is like, why do you have to wait till you, like, because if I was going to steal from out of people's rooms, I wouldn't do it while you sleep. I would do it while they out the room. They're going to take thy like stuff it, with it and lock it up. No, so like, it's kind of logical. Uh, well, I mean, because I, I'm thinking when I travel and stuff like that, the only thing I really lock up is like money or something like that. But then I, I don't really take valuables want. with me. Yeah, that's what you I, want is the money. Yeah, so you. But it just seems like can't. a lot to creep in the room. Like, what if they're light sleepers? I'll be oh, scared. Yeah. You risking ballsy as hell. Yeah. But I like I understand the logic of it. Whenever you leave a room, either you take all the valuables that you can. Yeah. Or you try and put them in the most safe place that you can, and it mm. just starts getting complicated on where you how imaginative a person is. Yeah. Usually, when somebody's going to sleep, they take their wallet out over their purse and they just sit it on the dog on desk. Yeah. So you just gotta kind of creep up and just hope right, they don't wake up. Yeah. Just people to the table is usually just sitting on the table yeah yeah so but you had to be doing the patrons i'm one of those people i put that dead boat on i don't trust nobody me too i put the dead boat on too like i mm -mm. like like room service ain't just walking in yeah that's my worst fear is to wake up and like somebody's in the room right even if you're like oh i'm room service like no i was asleep i don't want you here man i got to power your ass like you need to make sure that i completely heard you say if i don't respond when you say room service get the hell out of here yeah so it's on at least one occasion, Richard Ramirez molested two children in an elevator at a hotel, but he was never reported or prosecuted for this act at all. So he his so, so he got fired from this hotel because he attempted to rape so a how woman. How did people find out about that then? This was something that was all this stuff was reported later after he was apprehended, and the oh, story okay. started coming out. 
So he was fired abruptly because he attempted to rape a woman in her hotel room and he was caught in the act by the victim's husband. The husband beat Richard Ramirez's ass and the but however is the, that the official statement <laughs> well <laughs> if you want to say it says the husband beat ramirez at the scene that's the that's the <laughs> <laughs> so however the criminal charges were dropped against him because the couple lived out of state and they couldn't they declined to return back to texas to testify against him mm. So after he was fired from the hotel, he became best friends with Donna Meyer and he had two other friends, Armando Rodriguez and Tony Reyes. Armando already knew Richard Ramirez. And according to Donna, when she first met Richard, she thought that he was like a super nice guy, even though she didn't know that he was always stealing. He was like a kleptomania. Like he just could not keep his hands to himself, but that's all she knew was that he was a thief. She must've thought that was cute. <laughs> yeah. So... Richard Ramirez dropped out of Jefferson High School in the ninth grade and he moved because Donna Meyer, everybody lived in California. So he moved out to California with his friends, you know, and well, when he moved to California, he lived on skip roll. He slept in parked cars. Once in a while when he would steal, he would sell stuff. And he when would start to become an official saying, what? I mean, I watch a little slap of horrors. And I do love the movie. Uh-huh. But when did that start becoming a... And when did I lose the, the track of the, the, the hipness when people started calling it Skid, Skid Row? Row I don't know. Again? They called it before, but when they started calling it Skid Row again? I don't know, because that was my whole thing. Because I know that like in like Los Angeles, like, oh my gosh, have you been to Skid Row before? I don't even want to talk I've about, about it. I've heard about it. Oh, it's not good. But oh. I've seen the one in Sacramento. So. Yeah. It's, I, I, think I, about that one times 20. Man, it must be insane. Yeah. And so, and he also... This must be like a village. Oh my gosh, it was. Dude, it was so sad. Like, but this is the sad thing. So I saw this lady, like she had set up her TV and her plant and everything. Like, you know, she had a little living room going on. But I was thinking to myself, I said, well, where is she watching the TV? I think the TV was just her decoration. So she was pretending like, you know, that was yeah, her TV. Well, yeah. That's so sad though. But some of them, what they do is they, in, in, the, in place of the TV, they put, uh, and I've seen them, they have... A magnifying screen that they mm-hmm. buy online and they put their phone on it. Oh, that's smart. Oh, and yeah. So it's like a TV. I would do that. I think if I lived on Skip Row, like my house would be so laid out and nice. Like, what would you have on your place? On oh, TV is definitely uh, something I need. I yeah. Would, I would. I would have one of those couches mm-hmm. that come out to a bed. Like that. I'm, yeah. Like, I, I could sleep on a couch, but I could also, you know, work that shit out if I do the bed thing. You know what I would do? I would have gypsy beads like that lead into my tent. Like you know how most people have the zip up tent. No, mine would have beads so that I would have to part the beads every time I go on my tent. That would be so nice. No, I would have one of those guard gates like for a kid. <laughs> like you have it. And I'd have that's hella. On that that's shit. not cute. I don't give a fuck. I don't want <laughs> nobody else's dogs. Every, every homeless person seems to have a fucking dog. Oh, I mean, every homeless person does have a dog, but so I that's mean... why I'm like, uh-uh, I don't want your dog just roaming in in the middle of the dog all night or whenever <laughs> you feel like it. Nope. I have like a guarded gate with spikes on that bitch. Oh, hell no. And a pellet gun sitting beside it. Like, <laughs> I'm gonna shoot your dog with my gun, bro. Fuck that shit. <laughs> I ain't kill him, but I sure did shoot him. Oh, my God. I shoot him again. So... As I said, since Richard Ramirez was such a thief, sometimes he would, you know, get money together and he was able to, you know, actually go to a flop house once in a while. 
he would go to San Pablo once a month to do his laundry. And this was his, his overall, this is what he dressed in. He always dressed in dark clothes. He always had on baseball caps. And he actually, I'll put pictures up and it depends on how you look at him, but he actually could have been an attractive dude had he kept himself up. However, what he did was he ate a whole bunch of junk food, never brushed his teeth and let his teeth completely rot out of his mouth. Dang. Which I never understood because, like, I remember I had a horrible cavity and I had to get a root canal and it was just, I almost died. Like, I felt like my brain was throbbing. So it's like, how do you get past that pain to just let your whole mouth rot out? Like, that's what I don't understand. Some people, they believe, from what I hear, is they believe it's all just a hoax. You know, dentistry is just a way to just get your money. But, I mean, I've well, what had about teeth the pain. pain. Though? Yeah, like, I've what? had teeth pain. There's no way that you can make that right. up. Right. I'm like, dude, like, what the hell? And it was like, if you look at his teeth, like, his teeth, every last tooth was rotted. And it's sad because he would have been a good looking guy, but he just fucked his whole mouth up. I mean, uh, the coldest part is that some people do have levels of, of I would say, tinge in their teeth mm-hmm. and still don't have pain, though. Oh, really? Could, yeah, there's some people that do have, like, rotted teeth, but still, for some reason, don't have, like, deep cavities. That's weird. Yeah, but they do have a... T- it's just... A, yeah. a lot of people say it's because of their diet. It's, it's coffee, oh. coffee drinkers can be like that. Oh, that makes sense. Because I always <laughs> thought the teeth rot was the cavities, but those are two different things. Those basically. are two different things. Oh, like, that's yeah, why. Well, well, if you, you have a tinge teeth. Yeah. That goes along with your diet. So, you can have somebody who, mm-hmm. like I said, if somebody's a heavy coffee drinker, mm-hmm. but they brush once a day or something like that, just enough. Mm-hmm. Like, are they brush in the morning, you know, every morning, but they don't brush at night or something like that, and they just drink heavy coffee every day. Oh. That's enough to where you're keeping the cavities down mm-hmm. from the intake that you have, so it's not going to be hella heavy, but it's mm-hmm. still going to be, you're dying in your teeth. Oh. So somebody's teeth is going to be like brown like wood after 20 years. <laughs> oh, hell shit. no. Oh, my God. <laughs> but they're not going to feel any teeth pain. They're just going to have brown ass teeth. Yeah, that's terrible. That's even worse, I think. I don't. <laughs> but so he and all his junk, and he ate a lot of junk food, and basically he always carried around a backpack and a small satchel. He always put his clothes, he put a Walkman and some tapes in there. So that's you know basically that's what he walked around with all the time. He would always steal cars, and this is why it took him a while to get caught because he never used the same cars to the crime scenes at all. So it just like took them like a little while to you know I'm catch up. You didn't admire him and give him some robber points. I mean, you should have like a point system going. Well, I'm not like, getting the stupidest part. Get of a Nisha point. Yeah, I'm not. You know, because you have the stupidest part. So where's yeah. your reward part? Well, like, this is a reward. A star. Yeah, this is a reward Bing! part. Yeah, I like, never. Yeah, don't use the same course. So he did good with that. Right. You, you should have added a little a sound effect every time that you say something that you actually admire of a criminal. Oh yeah. Like he used different cars each time. Ding. <laughs> with sparkles and shit like that. So, that like, was- <laughs> He's just like, be a good criminal. Heck yeah. (laughs) Now, around this time as well, he began to use cocaine and heroin, and and he was still using that, you know, the LSD and hallucinogens. And he started actually shooting up drugs as well. There was one time when he broke a needle off in his arm by accident, he had to get rushed to the hospital. Mm. He began to commit theft and burglaries, and this was also to secure money for his addictions as well. So he became even more into devil worshiping. He would draw pentagrams on his body and he felt like Satan was a supreme being to him. And he lived uh, between San Francisco and Los Angeles during this time. That's a, that's a big span. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it is. And a lot of his murders took place, you know, all over the place like that. Like that, this is what we're going to talk about between Los Angeles and San Francisco. Right. Now, some of his victims, and I don't know, there was a, you know, most serial killers has, have a method or they have a specific type that he, they go for. Richard Ramirez didn't have a specific type. And in fact, some of his victims, he actually let live. And they report later, they said the one thing they remember about him is that he had the worst breath that they had ever smelled. Like they, he had holitosis so bad because he never brushed his teeth. Mm. and so they was just like his breath just smelled so horrible that was the one thing they remembered about him so we're gonna start getting to his murders and again trigger warning because this is gonna be horrible for you know because his first murder was a nine-year-old girl mm-hmm. so on april 10th 1984 richard ramirez murdered may ling i hope i'm saying her name right it's either may luong or may ling but it, he, she was a nine-year-old Chinese-American girl in the basement of her apartment building. And this was in the Tenderloin District of San Francisco. Now, Ling was with her eight-year-old brother, and she was looking for a lost $1 bill when Richard approached the girl and told her to follow him into the basement and he'll help her find it. Once they were in the basement, Richard Ramirez beat, strangled, and raped Ling before he stabbed her to death with a switchblade, and he hung her partially nude body from a pipe by her blouse. So, oh, yeah, so now the the interesting fact about this killing, though, is this killing was not actually linked to him until 2009, and that's when his DNA was matched to a sample that was attained by the crime scene. So um, in the 80s, DNA wasn't a big thing. And a lot of people weren't using DNA to necessarily, you know, solve the crimes because, you know, everything was more advanced now. So a lot of crimes that wasn't solved back then, you know, is solved now. But keep that murder in mind and keep in mind what happened because this is actually going to be a two-parter. I don't know if I told everybody this, but this is going to be a two-parter. So in part two, it's going to come up, you know, again. So just keep that in mind, everybody, about what I just said. So basically, okay, so the next murder happened, and this happened on February 26, 1985. This was a six-year-old girl, and I'm sorry, this wasn't a murder. This was he let her go, but he kidnapped her from a bus bitch while she was waiting for her older sister. He stuffed her in a zipped laundry bag. He molested her, and then he dropped her off somewhere. And then he, the same day, he did this to another little girl. Both these girls was kept alive as well. March 11th, there was a nine-year-old Monterey Park boy. He was kidnapped from his home in the middle of the night. He was molested, and he was left by a park. And he was alive, too? Yeah, he left him alive. So that's what I was saying. a series of leaving people alive? Mm -hmm. Were they just being quiet and did what he told them? You know, I I don't really know why he chose some people to keep alive and some people to murder. And that's what I would say. He's a different kind of serial killer because there was no method to his madness. Like he didn't murder everybody. He kept some people alive. Some people he would just rape. Some people, and he would use different like kind of weapons on everybody too. And he didn't care who you was. You could be a man, woman, boy, girl. He didn't care who he raped and what he did to to you. You know. Mm. So this was different. It was just an uh, impulse. When yeah, he, he felt just like did. he wanted you. He mm-hmm. wanted to add to that. Mm-hmm. So on June twenty eighth, nineteen eighty four. 79-year-old Jenny Vincow was found murdered in her apartment in Glassell Park, Los Angeles. And I, I should say that the 80s typically felt, like people felt like things was really safe, you know? So they would keep their windows open a lot. This was big in the 80s. They would keep their windows open, you know, and they would sleep overnight with no screen or anything. And this is how Richard Ramirez would get in. And so that's why they called him the Night Stalker, because mm-hmm. he would get you. So... 
Jenny Voskow was found murdering her apartment in Glasgow Park, Los Angeles. She had been stabbed repeatedly in the head, neck, and chest while asleep in her bed, and her throat was slashed so deeply that she was nearly decapitated. Uh. Now, Ramirez's fingerprint was found on the mesh screen that he removed to gain access through her open window, but he wasn't in the system as of yet, so they had nothing to match his fingerprint to. Now, this is his second known murder, but this is the first one at the time that they knew about, because remember, they didn't know about the little girl until 2009. And they don't have his fingerprints on file, so they mm-hmm. know uh, they know of a murder, but they don't know who it is at this time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So at this point, he just he established a pattern of breaking into homes. He would, you know, commit. He would either commit murder. Sometimes he would just break into homes and he would just steal stuff, you know. And he wanted to maintain his cocaine addiction and pay his rent, you know. So he would just anytime he murdered somebody, it was guaranteed that he was going to steal out of your house as well. On March 17, 1985, Richard Ramirez attacked 22-year-old Maria Hernandez when she was coming home from work, and it was outside her home in Rosemead, California, so she pulls her car into the garage, and as she was letting the garage down, he was little, so he was able to, you know, kind of slide under the garage as it was going down the garage door, and he pulled out a gun, and he shot her with a 22 caliber handgun, but this was, this was, she was meant to live, because she had kind of like put her hands up to shield her face, but her keys was on her hand and the bullet ricocheted off of the keys. So it didn't hit her, but she was, she knew to just drop like he had hit her. Right. Now, when he thought that she was dead, he then went into the house and unfortunately her roommate though, Dale Yoshi Okoski at age 34 heard the gunshot and she had ducked behind a, a counter, but she didn't know if he was gone or not. And she raised her head to look to see what had happened. And he shot her in the forehead. Right. Yeah. yeah so she was killed instantly. So, um, the Maria Hernandez lived, but her roommate died. And then within an hour of that home invasion, Richard Ramirez pulled 30 year old, I hope I'm saying these names right. I apologize if I'm butchering them, but Cy Leanne Veronica Yu out of her car. And he said, shut up, bitch, or I'll kill you. And this was his favorite saying, by the way. This is what he would always say is shut up, bitch, or I'll kill you. So it came to a time when he was in a lineup. They had everybody say, shut up, bitch, or I'll kill you. So that the victims can, you know, um, verify that was him or not. And he had this. Yeah, that was his thing. That's his trademark. Yeah, that was his trademark. Yep. And so... He pulled her out of her car and then he shot her twice with his handgun and then he ran. So she was pronounced dead upon arrival at the hospital. So he just shot her and didn't rob her or anything? Yeah, he just shot her and ran. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. There's no method to his madness. He didn't even steal the car or nothing. He just, Hmm. yeah. So there was two murders. And then he, so basically this, all this stuff, because he did all this in one day, it attracted a whole bunch of news media. And everybody described him as the curly-haired villain with the wide space rotten teeth. So they had his picture on the news. Not necessarily his picture, but it was like a sketch. Lipstick, but it was yeah. all rotten with his teeth rotted out. Now, on March 20th, another little girl was molested after he broke into her family's home. So he just raped her and he didn't do anything else. Now, on March 27, 1985, Richard Ramirez entered a home that he had burglarized a year earlier just outside of Whittier, California. And this was approximately at 2 a.m. So this was this was horrible because it was a husband and a wife. The husband's name was Vincent Charles Zazara, and he was 64 years old. 
and he was sleeping out on the couch and as soon as Richard came to the house he shot him in the head with a 22 caliber handgun now his wife Maxine Zazara she was 44 years old and she woke up by the gunshot and Richard beat her he bound her hands he demanded to know where her value burst was he ransacked the room and Maxine was actually able to escape her bonds and she retrieved her husband's shotgun from under the bed but unfortunately when she pulled the trigger it wasn't loaded and the reason it wasn't loaded is because their grandchildren had came over that morning and so her husband had actually unloaded it and she didn't know that so when she pulled it and you know when she pulled the trigger and you know it was you know empty Richard Ramirez turned around he shot her three times in the chest and he killed her then he fetched a large carving knife from the kitchen he mutilated her body by cutting an inverted cross across her chest then he removed her eyes with the knife and placed them in a jewelry box he attempted to have sex with her body, but he found himself not able to get an erection, so he couldn't do that. And then he took the jewelry box with her eyes, and he left it at his apartment as a souvenir until his arrest. So a little bit of, I see a little bit of Dahmer in that. Remember how Dahmer used to keep all the stuff? Yeah, I think that was like a challenge of the person who almost killed him. Mm-hmm. Cause, yeah, because I noticed that too. Like, he did way more with her body than he did with anybody. Right. Because, yeah, because, I mean, this would have been over. If that shotgun would have been loaded, this would have been over Yeah, right he'd have been down right there. Yeah, so he did a little bit of extra with her. Now, Vincent and Maxine's bodies were discovered by their son, Peter, and Richard actually left footprints, and his sneakers that he was wearing was Avia. I never heard of that brand. Have you ever heard of Avia sneakers? Yeah. Okay. So, they're yeah. running brand. Okay. And they're still out right now? Yep. Oh, Okay. So he left them by the flower beds that was outside. He left those sneaker prints and the police did photograph that and cast it as well. And this was actually the only evidence that they had at the time besides that partial fingerprint that was left at the other crime scene. There was also bullets found at the scene though that was matched to the previous attacks that had happened. So they, they had that as well. Now on May, on May 14th, at least they're getting shoe tracks. Yeah. In this time. Mm-hmm. Now, on May 14, 1985, Richard Ramirez returned to Monterey Park, and he entered the home of Bill Doy, who was 66 years old, and his wife, Lillian, who was 56 years old. And Lillian was disabled. She had cerebral palsy, so she had to sleep in a different room because there was a special hospital bed that was for her. And what happened was Richard Ramirez shot... Um, shot the husband bill in the face with a semi-automatic pistol right away and he beat the he beat lillian he, while she's sitting in the chair yeah he beat her so he shot the husband he beat the husband then he entered the wife's bedroom he beat her he bound her with hand, with you know handcuffs and then he raped her repeatedly after that, he also robbed the home for valuables. Now, miraculously, the husband, Bill, actually woke up and he called the police while he was bloody and stuff. He called the police and Richard got so scared because he didn't know that the husband was still alive. He ran out of the house. Now, unfortunately, Lillian lived, but Bill died of his injuries. So the only reason Lillian lived after, he yeah, saved it yeah, he did save her before he died, which I was like, that's so sad. Now, this one, I mean, they've all been bad, but this one is just horrible as well. 
On the night of May 29th, 1985, Richard drove a stolen car to Monrovia and he stopped at the house of Mabel Ma Bell, who was 83 years old, and her disabled sister, Florence Nettie Lang, who was 81 years old. He found a hammer in the kitchen. He bludgeoned and he bound Lang in her bedroom. Then he, he bound and he bludgeoned Bell and he raped both of them. He then took a lamp he used the electrical cord to start shocking them, to electrocuting them. And then he raped them again. He used one of their lipsticks and he drew a satanic pentagram symbol on her thigh, as well as on the walls of both the bedrooms. Then he peed in the toilet. He got their bananas out. He ate their bananas and he drank some sodas and he sat there and chilled for a minute. Now, the most horrible part was they wasn't dead during this time. They actually lived for two additional days before they were found, and then they died at the hospital. So they were laying there in all that pain for two days. Wow. That was, oh, I can't imagine that. Like, if that ever happened, I'd rather just die right away. I can't even imagine after being shocked, beaten, raped. Right. And you're already up in age, and one of them was disabled. I can't even imagine that. Picking on the elderly, too. That's one of the things horrible. That's, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. He, he didn't have, like, a type. He went from kids to elderly, men, women, boys. He was just a monster. I will say, uh, he's truly somebody that I think people are, that is the scary thing when you talk about a kill, serial killer. At least some serial killers, you'd be like, oh, yeah, well, I'm not his type, you know. He's yeah. with the blonde women, mm -hmm. you know, so whatever. But it, And it kind of gives you a solace, like, oh, yeah, he just got a perv and got a kick off of this thing. And he had a, pet, he had a you know, a, um, a uh, infatuation. Mm -hmm. But a guy like him, and this is, I, I really haven't heard anything like this before. Mm -hmm. Where it's just he's like a terror walking. Yeah, you don't know what's gonna happen mm -hmm. with your whole interaction. Are they gonna live? Are they gonna live or not? Some of it sounds kind of planned out. Mm -hmm. You know, like when he's jumping in the lady's garage and everything. Like he seemed like he was waiting and kind of knew. Mm -hmm. But then it's like at the same time, what were you planning? Just jumping in and start shooting people? Yeah, like it's like whoa, man. Yeah. it's, it's kind of like it, some of it even has no purpose. Like he didn't even rape those two. He's just shooting people. Yeah, I was like Richard Ramirez was wild. I think he was one of the most wildest serial killers because there was no method to his madness at all. I'm not saying that any of it's right, but what was he doing? Right. Yeah, yeah, like, like usually you can kind of track it. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, this is what you kind of can see that like, I, I what triggered him, but it makes it doesn't make any sense. It's yeah. just like the opportunity to kill, he's gonna kill you. Mm -hmm. Seems like you're slipping. Yeah, well, we're gonna end on this last one. Uh, so I do want to say that he during this time because he had stole so much stuff. He had actually upgraded his living to the Cecil Hotel. Have you ever heard of the Cecil Hotel? No. The Cecil Hotel, it is permanently closed. I looked because I wanted to go kind of be a tourist and look at it. And I've been to LA so many times and I had never heard of it. But the Cecil Hotel was, I mean, I guess a lot of stuff went down and a lot of serial killers lived at the Cecil Hotel and would do a lot of stuff. Wow. Yeah, it was like a big... How's a hotel known for serial killers? You serial killers staying there. And like, because it was like one of those anything kind of goes, nobody paid attention. Like, for example, when he lived there... Like, he would actually sometimes come into his room after killing somebody with his bloody clothes still on, right? He would strip his bloody clothes off and just put him in the dumpster outside of the hotel, and he would just walk back to his room naked, and nobody noticed, like, half naked, and nobody noticed. And that's why, like, I looked it up. They're out of business right now. Of course they are. I mean, I was like, and I saw that. I was like, wow. Like, nobody noticed this man coming in all bloody. Because most of the time, most hotels, you got to walk through the front desk first. Right. And just... walk past a person at the lobby. <laughs> <desk>. <laughs> so, so you get to walk past door. the front desk 
bloody, yeah. go to your room, and then come back out and dump the clothes and Sound come like back. Sound like an '80s action movie, yeah. like the security guard just staring at a football game and just let waving past, like, "Hey, John, hey, yeah. Bill," and he just staring at it, and like, but down, 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 like it sounded like a Steven Seagal movie type of shit. Like, what the hell are you talking about? Right? How the hell did you go in and out with the bloody clothes? I don't understand, and that's and then back in. Yeah, to me, that was the stupidest part of the crime. Well, so far that, that it's not stupid. Apparently, a lot of motherfuckers was getting away with it. But, but a lot of people in was with doing the bloody that. clothes though. <laughs> that was like, that's, apparently he knew that this was the spot you do that at. <laughs> I think I would be scared to walk in, but I guess he knew that because man, they would just chill like that. So we're gonna end on this next murder. Uh, the next day, the, so this was, we're on May 30th now, 1985. So Richard Ramirez had already done these things with these two old ladies. And he drove the stolen a stolen car to Burbank. He sneaked into the home of Carol Kyle, who was 42 years old. She also had her 11-year-old boy there. And he bound her and her 11-year-old son with handcuffs. And then he stole stuff out of the house. And he released them to tell him where the family valuables was. And then after he was done, he raped her repeatedly in front of her 11-year-old son. Wow. While he was raping her, he told her not to look at him. And he said, if she looks at him, he's going to cut her eyes out. He then fled the scene after retrieving the, after he retrieved the 11-year-old, because at some point he put the 11-year-old in the closet and he bound them together again with handcuffs. And then he ran. So we're gonna end there and for they le- so they was uh, yeah they were left alive yeah oh and that's one of the things so she was able to give a statement and that's one thing she said she said his breath stank she said he had rotted teeth but he was very handsome that was one thing she said that's what everyone said so we're gonna end on that murder because I know that that was a lot what was that a lot no it was a lot that was, was this this man like going for that long doing us that much I guess it was because the fact that he stayed in stolen cars mm-hmm. and he had a big span in which mm-hmm. he was going to mm-hmm. and during the time when you don't really have internet so they don't have the police systems saying the description of a guy per you know city yeah you know it's kind of like how you used to people used to do with DMV yeah like if they get too many citations in one city they I was like I was told that from some old trucker guy he was like I just go to a different state and get my license oh yeah I've heard people doing that too yeah yeah Yeah. and so you know it's just something where they didn't have the because you didn't have the connection of the internet like that but yeah at that time yeah just say your information is good and just take the take the test and get it set so I think he's one of those people that kind of took advantage of that in that time where it made it hard mm-hmm. to find out who this guy was. Yeah. And how he was doing it. Um, and we got even more it's, it's murders. Just, it's just random. Yeah. It's just random. Like, that's what I said. Like, he's one of the people that, yeah, that's one of the people that you, as a parent, you, you tell your, your children to look out for it. Yeah. Day. Like, I don't care if they look like a normal person. Don't you, don't you talk to this person. Don't you get in their car. Yeah. Don't you let them follow you home. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> and, and yeah, so we're going to get into it next. I'm going to find some clips. So there'll probably be some video, I mean, some voice clips in the next episode because, you know, and then we're going to get into more murders. We're going to get into how he's caught because I, the way that he was caught, it is so funny. I can't even wait to talk about it. Because it's just so funny. I think it's going to be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm ready to hear it. Because um, 
it just honestly sounds like it's going to be a coincidence. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And then we're going to talk about a little bit about his marriage because he did get married while he was in prison. In the midst of all this? No, while he was in prison. He, oh, got, he had a, he actually, wow. he was like Dahmer. He had a lot of groupies right to I tell him. You that, the fame? Yeah. Didn't I tell you yeah. what the fame thing is and how scary that is? Yeah, a lot of women fell in love with him and was like writing him and wanting to give him money and he married one of them. So we'll talk about all of I that. I mean, but you know if he you stay in that cell for too long with him, more than 48 hours, he's going to kill you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. He just has that in him. He's yeah. like, oh, something's going to snap. He's just starts stabbing the dog crap out of you. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, because. Scooping out your eyeballs. Yeah, because that was the first time he was married, was in prison. Because you imagine him being married on the outside world. His wife would be definitely dead. Like, oh, yeah. dead, dead. Oh, yeah. And he he'd been doing everybody. her corpse for a while. Yeah. He would kill up everybody. In the house, the kids, too. Everybody would just die. In the house. Right. I, I know he got to be in solitary confinement. Ain't nobody in that cell with him. Oh, we're going to talk about that, too. Oh, my gosh. We're going to talk about his time on death row. So we're going to come back. And we're going to talk about that next week. Because wait until... Whatever police department needs to kind of be sanctioned for that. If y'all put somebody in there with a person that had a record like that, I'd be like, okay. What would you do if that was your roommate in prison? I'd have a knife and I'd stab his ass before he stabbed me. I'm not even going to lie to you. I'd know I'd have more time for that. I'm about to stab this little Mexican boy. <laughs> I'd tell somebody at lunch. I'd be like, bro, hold on. Let me, let me get the knife, bro. Let me get your fork. And wow, I'm about to stab this little Mexican boy in my goddamn place. I heard about this shit. He said, because before, before he does anything, you before would just stab just his ass? Before he lose one of these days, one of, like, it would be like two days after we'd be in there together. First, I tell, first I tell the wardens, y'all need to get me out of here. <laughs> this dude done done too damn much, and I don't believe in his ass, and I think he's going to do, gonna do something to me. I'm scared for my life. <laughs> And they gonna do me like they do almost every black man in the system. Like, yeah, all right, get your ass on, buddy. We don't. Nobody want to hear that jazz. Like, all right, okay, fine. And then I'm taking it to my own hands. God. Like, I'm gonna come. It'd be like two, three days after we be in there. And then I just come in, offer his ass a cookie or something like that. Just trying to act like it's hella normal. Mm-hmm. Like, oh man, they was playing out at the basketball court. They had a game over there. <laughs> and he'd be like, over oh, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your neck, like real. As soon as you turn over. Just give it to you four, five times. Like, man, Reed, are you serious? They're they going to catch me slicing his stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't about to have it. Be like, I told y'all he was going to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to Batman this shit. <laughs> take this into my own hands. I can't take That's funny. And I'd be like, just put on the time, put extra time, whatever the hell ever. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Well, I guess we will be seeing you guys next week for part two of this crazy tale. And again, once again, thank you to Amy for tell, telling us about this wonderful story. Because, you know, like, what do you think? Are you enjoying it so far? No. But okay. it's, it's something that I'm, it's, as a learning experience. <laughs> what are you right learning? now makes me make sure that all my children's cell phone bill is paid. And they each have an updated freaking phone. And I'm calling them at least twice a day now. Absolutely. Yeah, you check on your look. family member. Check on your children. Yeah. Check on everybody. Check on your parents. Because, you know, you don't. whoever you think just don't get enough attention and you ain't talking to them and they call them for no damn reason. Yeah, because this world's crazy they could be right in now. the house, beat down with a hammer, and somebody over here eating bananas over their bodies. Yeah. Stop. <laughs> Now, until next week, follow us on Instagram, Hot Garbage Show, and follow us on Facebook, Hot Garbage Show, and follow me on TikTok, Author Nisha. A lot of people have good stuff to say about our cases, and I appreciate all our all, all my love and all our love that we're getting on TikTok. We do appreciate it. Yes, thank you so much. And in the meantime, take care. Watch your back out there.